Hey everybody, thanks for joining us here again today. Uh, we're in our final episode of the season, uh, which is another exciting topic that we've got on deck for you. So previously we've talked a little bit about the genesis of Platform One, some of the early days, some of the things we learned throughout the first two years or so. Uh, but the exciting thing about what we've got in store for you today is we actually have the Platform One material leader and his deputy on to talk about the future of Platform One. Uh, so I'll kick it over to Colonel Viola first and then Dong, uh, allowing you guys to introduce yourself, give a little bit of background, and then we'll jump right in. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Drew. So um, yeah, so material leader for Platform One, been here for about a year now, just coming up on that. And uh, it's been a whirlwind of a year. There's a lot that's gone on in the past year and, and um, the evolution of the, the program itself, everything from scaling to to some of the the extended CR funding challenges that that always pop up, and like with any organization, you always have like you kind of have what you want to get done, and then you've got the fires that pop up along the way. So it's uh, been a challenging year, but it's also been a very rewarding year. You know, we've we've had a lot of firsts over the past year. Uh, the the organization as a whole has has continued to kind of progress and evolve, which which I'm super happy about. And yeah, and I, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, my, my role in the organization is, you know, you see a lot of the upside down org charts and everything like that. We don't have one of those. Ours is actually on Confluence, but uh, but it doesn't mean that it isn't true, right? So ultimately, my job here in the organization is to support the organization as a whole to, to ensure that customers are getting what, what they need and what they desire. And then as we go into FY23, also looking at the investor aspect of this, which is you know, the core investment that's coming in and how do we ensure that we're, we're kind of staying at the center of that conversation for, uh, for the Air Force and the DOD. Dong, over to you. Hi, my name is Dong Hang and I'm the deputy for uh, Platform One. So I'm Colonel Gill as a deputy and I've been here since uh, April of 21. Uh, and so it's still coming up uh, a year. And, and, and the biggest reason why I came to Platform One was frankly, I, I wanted to come to an organization that was the closest thing to a startup and I really got that uh, in more ways than I, I, I expected and in a lot of great ways that I expect as well. The, the thing that I heard, a lot of people I heard from Platform One before Platform One became, you know, before I got to Platform One was, it was a place that basically wanted to do something different and break the mode that a DOD was currently on, on the path in terms of delivering IT services. And this was before, you know, this is as the pandemic was happening. And so what, what I saw from this organization was, was a lot of energy, especially from people that actually knew technology and what it can do for our users. And so that's something that really excited me. And so when I had the option to join, I did still. So. Okay, appreciate that, uh, Dong and Colonel Viola. I think uh, Dong kind of hinted at it, but we'll start this question with Colonel Viola because I think you both took very different paths to arriving at the organization, uh, especially because one of you is military, one of you is a government civilian. Colonel Viola, I think your story in particular is pretty unique uh, of how you left and got here. Can you can you walk us through kind of how that all went down, the parts that you can share and and why you were excited or maybe things that you were hesitant about? And then, uh, you know, Dong, I know you were a Navy civilian when we found you in the interview process. You want to talk about maybe how that process went and what you were excited about too. I know you already talked a little bit about why, but we'll, we'll start with Colonel Viola and just kind of give us your, your background on how you got here. Yeah, and no, thanks, thanks for teeing that, that question up, Austin. And yeah, so uh, you know, absolutely military. I, I know you guys probably can't see, but I, I'm in my new P1 uniform though, which is typically something uh, either it's my our, our Grogu P1 shirt, or in this case, it's just kind of DevSecOps because you know it's something that that's foundational to what we do. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the story of how I got here starts long before kind of I was asked to come here. You know, being in the military, I've, uh, I, I, I think I'm a little bit of a unique case, especially on the acquisition side. You know, my AFSC says that I'm an acquisition officer, but the vast majority of my time I've spent on the offensive side of, of cyber operations. I did time at, at NSA in the CNODP program, you know, kind of did a lot of the, the traditional Air Force officer things. But then things really started peaking, picking up kind of after I, I went to school and then went to the Pentagon and, and kind of got into that into that ecosystem. Dr. Roper had just kind of kind of showed up there and it was bringing a, a different perspective to to how we do acquisitions. Um, you know, from there, ended up going out to L.A. Air Force Base. And uh, so my wife was super happy. She's like, yes, finally, we're not on the East Coast anymore. Because, I mean, the vast majority of my assignments have been kind of on the, the East Coast, which is beautiful. But there's a whole other country out there to see. So got to L.A. And literally after about four or five months of being there, I get this call. It's like, hey, uh, we've got this opportunity for you, but you need to kind of move uh, next year. And and so kind of seized that opportunity, which which got me to to Texas um, as the 346 Test Squadron commander, and uh, so so was really kind of enjoying my time over there, making change on the test front. If you if you kind of look at the 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 overall ecosystem, right? I mean, test is a, a integral piece of that. If you if you have DevSecOps and then test becomes that waterfall piece at the end then you really don't have DevSecOps, right? Like you don't have that agile CICD development and delivery that you're looking for for the warfighter. But then, you know, pandemic hit and it just so happened that my boss in the Pentagon ended up being the upper SML for Platform One. And, uh, you know, in the Pentagon, sometimes you got Friday afternoons where you can open a beverage of your choice and you kind of have some of these more in-depth conversations, water cooler talk, if you will. And uh, yeah, and so me and Colonel Carrera at the time have had, we, we had several of those and we really started strategizing on, or at least highlighting some of those, some of those systemic issues that we saw in the Pentagon. And uh, so long story short, I get this call from Colonel Carrero is saying like, hey, I've got this really challenging program over here that, uh, that kind of aligns with, you know, all the, the fixes that, that we want to make. And um, or that we had talked about in the Pentagon, he's like, but but it is a challenging program. So with like with most things, uh, it, you know, it, with with challenge comes also a lot of reward. And so that's kind of how I got the platform one. Uh, you know, I saw it as an opportunity to continue to push the envelope for for the Air Force. There's not many times in an officer's career that you have the opportunity to actually engage and push the envelope and actually have those things stick. Um, and, and platform one's doing that, right? Engaging at the Pentagon, uh, engaging on social media, just, just like pushing both technology and the actual the culture forward. And uh, yeah, I mean that's how I got here. Uh, you know, kind of most days love my job. Sometimes you know it's uh, it can become a little bit painful just swimming upstream. But yeah, that you know you, you kind of lick your wounds after one of those meetings, and you kind of get back in the fight because the mission's important. Hey, thanks, sir. Uh, and, and Dong, uh, I think I actually sat on your interview panel, so I'm interested in your perspective on how you ended up here. Yeah, and for the audience, it's really unusual to have uh, an 04 major uh, be part of, part of the interview panel for uh, a GS-15 position. So I thought it was the most unique thing. I know, hey, this is platform one, right? This is how we do it. 
I, you know, I think one of the the the, the precursors to the platform one that you know that most of us outside of the the Air Force community saw was Kessel Run, right? They were the poster child for DevSecOps and, and doing software development. And so that was something that I, I, I kind of gained a, a appreciation for from the outside. I went and visited uh, TDY um, when, I, when I was still with the Navy. And, you know, as I looked around, I said, you know what, this is a place that I want to be a part of in, the, in terms of being able to support airmen or support the warfighters that, that want to actually develop software. I thought that was the most exciting thing ever. And then when the when when platform one started coming about and they came on the scene really when the pandemic started happening and matter most um at the time i i was like you know there were a lot like a lot of other organizations that were working from home or at least being forced to work from home there weren't many very many tools um that was available like the cbr that was there it was like you know not even there yet and it, it was promises that it was going to come out and, and, you know, when uh, Nick Shalon came out and said, hey, we're going to make this open for everyone. I mean, I jumped on top of it and I was actually one of the people that just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I came in as a, I'm an Air Force Reserve as well. So I initially got an account with Mattermost. Then I started to help a lot of the Navy folks that didn't have a way to communicate securely to actually secure, to get them um, Mattermost accounts. I stood up a Mattermost team for uh, the, Navy, the Navy organizations and then basically just started being like almost an administrator. The other thing that really got me excited was the, the fact that I was kind of in the ground zero in terms of at least help standing up part of the matter most for the Navy side was that we, I had, and myself and a lot of folks had such unfettered access to the people at Fleet One in, in terms of setting up the, uh, the, the capabilities. And they were super responsive. And, and then of course the community just sort of fed off of that in terms of being able to help each other in terms of, uh, you know, expert tips on how to use matter most, setting up for folks, and all these things and working fun. It was very, the, the community aspect of that in terms of the user base, along with the folks at P1, really solidified my desire to be a part of an organization like that. And, and so, you know, and I, and I think I said that in my, in my interview with Austin, right? That that's why it excited me to be part of, to actually be part of P1 and to really make sure that, you know, we, we continue doing this for, for the, the warfighters out there. Awesome, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for those responses. I think it's really great that like, during both of your whys, you touched on what Platform One's mission is, right? Because that's a huge part of our culture is believing in and why we're all here. Uh, and actually, the funny thing is we're on episode 10 of this podcast now, and I don't think we've ever directly come out and said what Platform One does or how it actually enables people. Uh, so since you guys, as ML and Deputy Director of P1, and I think this is the perfect place to ask the question. Uh, and feel free to whip out your buzzword bingo cards if you're playing at home. Uh, but turn it over to Colonel Viola first and then let Dong layer in. Uh, what would you say Platform One's elevator pitch is? Yeah, so that's really good. So so first, I, like we're being super formal here. Like I don't think I've heard the word ML as much since I've been here. So I mean, we're kind of teammates. So, so yeah, so anyway, do with that with what you will, but... Uh, yeah, I think with it, with the exception of my signature block, it, ML is not something that comes up very often. It's it's more just a, a bunch of uh, hopefully visionaries. I guess time will tell. Um, just looking to make it better for the for the DoD and the warfighter. So you know, just to get after your your question there, uh, Drew, I think our mission and vision really just sums it up well. And then I'll I'll try to elaborate on it because uh, I I do get that question a lot, and and I would say my answer changes depending on the audience because I want it to be received as intended. So our mission is basically to accelerate secure software delivery for the DOD. Short to the point, that's really all we're trying to do. We're trying to enable 
that that capability to get into the warfighter's hands. And then kind of the vision aspect of that, which is, you know, how, how do you get there, right? I mean, uh, some of you have probably already read the, the We Believe memo that we, uh, that we jointly put out with Kessel Run. Um, we've got, we got such a big uh, response from the various software factories out there and players in the ecosystem that, that uh, you know, Austin skillfully crafted a, a We All Believe memo to, to get that out to the ecosystem. And we're almost seeing that a little bit as, a, as an agile manifesto for the DOD. Well, what it really gets after, you know, our first thing is collaboration over mandates, right? And and our vision kind of embraces that as well. It's like a collaborative defense department enabled by continuous delivery. And so when you kind of put those two things together, um, I think it sums it up from a formal standpoint. What I what I have told senior leaders many times and and, and have received a lot of vertical head nods is at the end of the day, we are going to start the next conflict with the tools that the warfighter has. I feel very strongly that we will likely not be able to win that conflict with those tools. We're going to have to adapt at the speed of relevant. And if that's you know enhanced capability, if that's uh, patching our systems, resilience, being able to get back and you know get back off the off the ground if if we if we are uh, if we are susceptible in an area that we didn't know about like all of that really comes down to operating at a pace that we haven't operated before in the DoD I mean you know and and software and a lot of the the technological advancements that has happened over the past five or ten years uh, really enable that enables airmen to be able to contribute to the fight in in previous conflicts you you know if you're on the front lines you're gonna like bust out your duct tape and your your parachute cord, you're going to make things work, right? And, and so what does that look like for software? And I think airmen are doing that today, but as a DOD, or, and well, I'll speak for the Air Force, we're, we're definitely not enabling that, right? Like we're not um, making that very easy for them. They're creating workarounds that uh, out of necessity that we could do a better job and, and kind of have them do it securely. So yeah, I think really what it comes down to is that that mission and vision where we're we're trying to enable our airmen who are innovators, innovate, and then do that in a way that they can uh, get capability to the field at a speed that that is needed. Tugging at my heartstrings. Thank you. Uh, Dong, anything you wanted to add? Um, I, I think the Colonel has kind of said it all. I just want to hi highlight the things that we are delivering capabilities for our airmen to solve airmen problems. And we're doing so in a way that allows them to focus on the problems versus the infrastructure. Because, you know, and, and for us at Platform One, we provide the, the infrastructure and the platform for our airmen to focus on the problem set, which is the mission to solve all the airmen's missions, which is, which is the software. All right, I got a, a fun one here for you next because it's easy at an organization to focus on the challenges, maybe, and not the the opportunities or successes, especially when you're you know you're trying to push the envelope. Um, so we'll start with Dong this time, so so that Colonel Viola can't steal all the good answers first. I'm going to ask you to narrow it down to one. Um, obviously, there's lots of challenges, but I want you each to pick one uh, that you feel is the biggest challenge uh, for Platform One today in trying to achieve that mission and vision. I like how you, your questions are challenges, but then you, you can limit it to one answer. So I like that. I think the biggest challenge is getting a culture, not just within platform one, but the entire DOD and the federal government around the idea of agile, which is really about learning fast in a way that is a way that the way humans actually learn 
And we, and that really encompasses a whole lot of different topics from the way we do budgeting in the PBBE cycles to the way that we do um, our, our, our software, our hardware, and, our, and how we take risk. And so what that really means is that, you know, we have, we try to predict, we pretend to think that we can predict the future with complete great clarity. We then try to say, well, based on the predictions, we think it's going to cost this much, which is a prediction on budget and how much, and, and that's the promise and that's the expectations being created. And once you have all that set, then we try to think that we're going to be able to noodle through a lot of these really hard challenges, especially in the technology space, to get after it. And we're going to deliver every single thing that's on that checklist. And so the problem is that that is a fallacy in terms of the way the world works and the way humans work. And really, we need to enable a culture where we are able to identify, learn what's going on in the environment, what we're doing, and then they can be able to quickly make adjustments both in our, how we budget and how we develop software. And so that is really, to me, the biggest challenge as it kind of highlights every single thing in the way that we work with risk tolerances we, we are willing to accept and ultimately kind of like our future as, as a, a defense department. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Uh, maybe rephrase a little bit as like, we're this, we're this little tiny thing in the greater context of the DOD that operates very, very differently than the overarching system that supports us. And we, you know, I think a lot of times we get viewed as a, as a virus within the system and get attacked by a lot of white blood cells uh, along the way. So, so Colonel Viola, over to you, biggest challenge. You can't, you can't just say what Dong said. You have to pick a different one if, if it was the same. Yeah, I know. At first, I thought this was the easier position in the end, but now it's the harder one. I see how that works. Um, but yeah, I'm going to maneuver a little bit, right? So we have a lot of challenges, and then I'll answer you what your biggest one is. You know, we have challenges on the funding front. We have challenges on fracturing of baseline and tech. We have challenges as far as building a community, uh, communication as a whole, right? Uh, rice bowl fighting, you know, mis misunderstandings of what platform one is and where we're headed and where we're going, right? So a lot of my, I would say mine and Dong, probably in Austin, yours as well, when you're, you know, when, when you're in the seat there, you know, you, you get uh, not too many people, every once in a while we'll get people go like, you're amazing. But a lot of times what most people like, oh, is the, the naysayers are the most vocal. It's like, you suck, right? which is good because that's customer feedback and that's what gets us to continue to, to get better, right? But I think our biggest challenge at the end of the day is people. People are the biggest challenge. People are the most important part of this because at the end of the day, it comes down to the individual person. And and I do, like a lot of the things that Simon Sinek uh, has has said, I, you know, I've been able to catch a couple of his, uh, couple of his talks, follow him on LinkedIn, et cetera. But he had something on, on LinkedIn the other day that really resonated with me. And it's not, it's not a one-for-one for, one for Platform One, but I think it drives home the point. And his quote is, we don't do business with companies. We do business with people. Business is always human. And so whether that is at the DOD level, whether that's at the Platform One level, whether that's in corporate America, at the end of the day, people is what gets things accomplished. Culture is super important to an organization. People are the foundation of that culture. And so it's a little bit along the same lines of what Dong said. You know, I think at P1, we, uh, we have a culture. It is a full-time job just to maintain culture, if you will, especially in a, a geographically separated organization and an organization that is scaling and, and you're bringing in. So think about it, you know, you've got a really hot culture and you're bringing in cold people into that culture. So over time, if you too quickly, you kind of, you know, it, it's something that's a challenge for us as we're growing and we're scaling as an organization. We're continually uh, working on that with some success and, and also with some failures. But, but, but at the end of the day, 
if you have the human aspect there and people understand that even though they might not agree with your decision or even though that that we we have some setbacks you know as long as you're able to have that conversation like with any relationship um you know a business relationship in this case you'll be able to work through it and keep the the family together if you will yeah once again guys really appreciate those responses and the the cool thing about what you just touched on colonel viola is like people are certainly the biggest challenge, but they're also the biggest catalyst for success. And we've got a great team at Platform One. So I'm not worried at all about any of the challenges that come up because uh, I know that the team will find a way to get through it. We did promise the listeners that we would talk a little bit about the future and we haven't done that yet. Uh, so this first uh, kind of topic as it relates to the future is actually something that came out of our user panel. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. I uh, wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it, how it aligns to our vision and our mission we've already talked about. Uh, we talked a little bit about the funding aspect too, but I think Don got to answer first on that last question. So we'll go to Colonel Viola first, and then Don, if, if he wants to add some stuff. Uh, question is basically, does enterprise funding enable us to allow airmen to, to code and deploy their own applications for free? Yeah, I think the short answer is yes. But yeah, you know, we've been we've been trying to address this for the better part of a year, the year that I've been here. And I think Austin was was also working that before then. You know, we fundamentally believe that out there there are airmen solving other airmen's problems. And you see that through Spark Tank, you see that through a lot of these initiatives out there. And we think Platform One could be an enabler of that, of that, uh, of that innovation. We've been working with Ensign and AFWorks to try to figure out how do we can do that for the commercial sector. Um, where a, a commercial entity could come in and, and, you know, and at the end say like, oh, look at this great product and not have to wait 18 months to actually get it fielded. Um, but it's also, you know, we've also been working with, uh, with, he's called the wizard, right? So he's an F-16 pilot who basically had a, a really bad uh, experience with their PEC system that they use. And, and so he got in the basement of his house and coded up a replacement for it. And uh, you know, long story short, you know, we're we're enabling him to now move that system onto secure platform that will allow continuous integration and delivery of it for uh, for I think 16 to eight, 16 or 18 fighter squadrons out there. And so that's just a one example. We also did that with with um, oh man, I forgot his name. Austin probably remembers him, but but he's a major up at U2 Fed Labs, and he was. Um, I don't know. He he basically read through the regulations and stood up his own federal laboratory to to solve a problem, right? Like like he was like the U two was not getting the love that it needed and the technology infusion that it needed, and uh, we were able to kind of partner with what he was doing, get him on a secure platform again. I think it was like somewhere around like 16, 17 days, eighteen days, um, and get platform one Big Bang on a U two Intel pod flying right and, and that's something that when i you know go back to what uh how are we going to fit win tomorrow's fight that's how you do it right that that's how you do it you do it smartly it's not reckless or or um without risk but it is calculated and it is a way to get after getting capability to the warfighter faster so talking about the future right so fy23 centralized funding um you know, I, my challenge to the team is like, we need to set aside some dollars and in the grand scheme of things, it's probably small compared to the, the funding that we'll get, but we need to set that aside to support these programs like Spark Tank and Airman Coders. What we haven't figured out yet is 
how we get uh, sponsors, if you will, for this, because it's great that an airman is delivering something, but you also want an operational sponsor that's going to use it after it's delivered. And then, you know, that airman might PCS, you know, at the end of the day. And, and right now the Air Force is not necessarily set up for, for having that airman continue to, to manage and maintain that, that, uh, that capability. So we want to set that capability up for success. We're working through the, uh, the construct and the framework of how to do that. Again, short answer is yes. Uh, we absolutely want to do that. And we think that the, the core funding coming in FY23 is going to enable that activity. Yeah, that's awesome. As a, a former airman who had to learn, I think a bunch of people are going to be excited about that future. Uh, Dong, anything you wanted to add on that particular topic? Um, I just wanted to say that there's two parts to this, right? There's a code and deploy. I think the code part, I think the, the us and Platform One having central funding would enable people to code. Whether they can deploy or not, that's the next question, and that's the that that's going to depend on a lot of other factors, especially the authorizing officials for the particular mission set that those airmen are trying to support. We need to make sure that they have an understanding. This is I'm going to squeeze in another challenge here: is trying to bring together the community that that is supposed to support the airmen to do their mission to give them the, the capability to do so and trust that they will, they're, they're building something that they need and that is safe for um, for the mission. And so that's something that we need to make sure that the, the community rallies around, especially on the cybersecurity side so that we can actually deploy it for not free, but for a lot cheaper than waiting for months and months and months for it to get um, authorized. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Major Tierney, or, Newt Tier or sorry, Ray Tierney, goes by Newt, call sign, was a YouTube Fed Labs guy. Crazy smart and uh, shows that you can do anything and put your mind to it. Okay, last question before we get into story time, which is my favorite part of the podcast. The ecosystem that's kind of evolved around enterprise IT, both in the Air Force and the DoD, has gotten a little bit uh, interesting over the last few years as, as kind of the Air Force started their move to the cloud and platforms and DevOps and digital engineering and a lot of these buzzwords you hear. There's just a lot of stuff going on. So we'll, we'll start with Dong this time. As we move forward, what role does Platform One play in the software ecosystem at large, especially with all these other software factories, a software wing, um, the other services are standing up similar capabilities under ABMS and JADC2. I mean, wh where does P1 fit in? What, what do we do and what do we not do? Well, that's, that's a loaded question because there's a lot to, to both of those parts. But I would say going forward, you know, Platform One is evolving from an organization that was providing something directly by doing it ourselves because no one else did it. Whether it's Mattermost, whether it's you know providing the first you know DoD you know uh, DevSecOps compliant baseline for the DoD, um, that's that's the that's the beginning part, and we're we're evolving that today. What we're trying to move towards is actually galvanizing the community, the organization, to provide um, and add to the capabilities that we're starting off today at the, as a platform layer at with, with Big Bang Core. And adding to maybe suggestions on how to improve party bus and, and obviously providing more containers that are useful to the community through Iron Bank is to, pro to orchestrate an ecosystem of DoD open source contributors, because we can't do this alone in our small organization. And really, frankly, we're not really designed to actually go and do this for everyone. We want to enable other people to, to build upon what we've done. So that's really the biggest challenge. And, and then we then pull back and focus in on the things that benefits everyone in terms of building a, you know, a a, a big bang or an iron bank uh, uh, 
technologies, capabilities, so people can leverage that over and over and over. Thanks, Dom. Uh, Colonel Viola, over to you. Yeah, so along the same vein, so we've really been focused here, Platform One, in in enhancing the BB Talk. Um, I, you know, I think it's core to what we're going to do in 23 and out. Uh, you know, we we're going to have a hybrid model where where the Air Force will fund that core development, and then for users of our our party bus. They will be able. They will be paying for their own use of cloud and licenses and 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 the help desk and everything else associated with that, right? So party bus is like a PaaS, a platform as a service, turnkey solution with continuous authority to field. So yeah, I think party bus will always be this ramp, whether it's for airmen that are that are looking to get their innovation into the field, or whether that's for a program office that's going through their DevSecOps evolution. Uh, what we've seen is you know people come on. Party bus seems to be a, a good enough solution initially, and and sometimes it, it it ends up being a good enough solution in the long term, right? Um, but other times programs go this customer maturity model, and, and they kind of realize, like, hey, you know, as I've matured as an organization, I really like everything Party bus does, but there's like this 25% that I need customized and tailored for for my mission and my needs, and that's where. We're looking to kind of off-ramp them from party bus onto, you know, to a software factory or to one of our resellers that can then take Big Bang, which is the exact same, you know, the exact same product that Party Bus consumes, but tailor it because Big Bang is highly tailorable for those specific mission needs. So I think, you know, that's going to be one of those roles that uh, that Platform One will continue to um, to play. The other one is is a, is 100 aligned with what Dong said, where you know we want to drive a deep DOD open source ecosystem that's modeled after the kind of like the CNCF. It, you know, I've used the analogy many times, a lot of times with some of the big defense contractors of like, you know, I, I think there's money to be made, but there's a different business model that that we're really trying to we're trying to inflate here. And 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 so, you know, Red Hat did this many years ago with Fedora and Red Hat. You see a lot of other customer or, or another a lot of other commercial organizations still be able to make money around open source products. And I don't think the the DoD is immune from that. I, I think it, it it is something that's valid, and we're we're pursuing that with our our commercialization commercialization pilot uh, to try to explore what that actually looks like. And the analogy that I've used a lot of times here is like Blockbuster versus Netflix, and how like the you know the folks that that hold on to the Blockbuster model. Uh, might find themselves out of business because Netflix is kind of pushing the envelope forward on a business model that 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 might fit the future of software better than what what we have today. And the other, you know, the other piece of this too, because we're talking about kind of roles and responsibilities and whatnot. I fundamentally believe that there's a there's an inversely proportional relationship between the size of an organization and kind of the agility of that organization's. And and, and it's. I mean, you probably can't point to like, you know, at 300 people, you become less agile or at 3000 people, you become less agile, right? It's not something that you can, you can really do, but there is, there is like a relationship there. And so very conscious at platform one to ensure that we always have those unicorns. We have the, the high speed talent. And if I was going to kind of look at myself, you know, Austin likes to call them 10Xers, right? So we, we you know, we like to have those 10Xers on the team, I, but I see platform one as not being like the army of software, right? Like, like not to go out there and take lots of mass and apply it at a problem. I see us more a little, a lot more like special forces and, and really pushing the envelope forward and attacking very specific, very specific problems for the DOD. 
Awesome. And I'm actually going to steal this next quote from Austin. You're actually less agile with two people than you are with one person. And so I 100% agree with that inverse relationship uh, as we scale. Uh, okay. So now favorite part of the podcast, we get to hear everybody's favorite story. I think Austin has alluded this this entire time. So I'm going to ask him to go third as well. Uh, so we just heard from Colonel Viola. So we'll start with Dong, go to Colonel Viola, then Austin. Favorite story from Platform One? Um, yeah, I, I I got a lot of different uh, things in my head, but I think the one that really resonated with me the most being at Platform One was when we um, had the first Platform One Objectives and Key Results Conference, I guess you want to call it that. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm not saying this because Drew is here, but, you know, Drew led that workshop that we had um, in, at 500 Varro in San Antonio. It was the first one that I've ever been to. I think a lot of people were going through the same thing. And I think one of the things that really struck me was it was amazing to see the team from all parts of the U.S., from all parts of the functional areas, in, in, you know, within P Platform One, coming together in person and really trying to understand each other and what we're trying to do as a collective that that you know because the day-to-day -day stuff you know people are focusing on the mission and getting stuff done and you know there's a lot of built up questions or misalignments that occur over time and so that was a great way to get the team together and unify around certain messages and things that we were working on together and also identify those challenges especially between the teams and how do we get after that in terms of the objects and security results that we're developing um, it was such a great event. Um, and again, I think, uh, you know, what Drew did, Austin was uh, pushing behind from as well, the team and the rest of the team that kind of built that, that was one of the best times I've had so far, even though I've been here for such a short period of time. Yeah, thanks for the shout out, Dom. Uh, I was just the front face of what everybody in the organization kind of was leaning towards and thinking. Uh, so I just put words on slides, but I think the, the overall momentum was already there. So I made it easy to facilitate. Uh, all right, Colonel Viola, over to you. Yeah, so, so I'm going to take a little bit of a cop-out answer because there are so many stories that I don't I really don't have one favorite. But what I will tell you is there is something I absolutely appreciate at Platform One, which I don't, that I've only had maybe once or twice in my career. And that's like camaraderie, right? And I think Drew, you alluded to it earlier, like, you know, we've got the right people on the team, no matter what challenges arise that we can actually get after that. And, and just that statement alone, I think says volumes because because I could probably go talk to many other folks, if not everybody, and they kind of feel the same way. You know, if I was going to use a buzzword, because Austin kind of introduced that at the beginning, like I know psychological safety is one of those buzzwords that kind of gets thrown out all, a lot. But really what it comes down to me is, or what it comes down to for me is having an open and honest discussion across the team, no matter what rank you wear or what position you're in. And being able to promote that when, when we, at, at every opportunity we can, um, really starts building that camaraderie. So whether it's like a team building event that, that, uh, that we have uh, to just bring, get people out of the office and, and tie into back to that human aspect. So we, we don't see each other as uh, as a handle on, on, on Mattermost or as an email or something like that. We see the face and the human behind every one of those comments. You know, I, I think that's, that's really the, that has driven many, many stories that I've appreciated in my, my, just my one year at Platform One. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to many, many more. Yeah, for sure. Some of those team building events being hiking the incline together definitely builds some uh, camaraderie through shared misery. All right, Austin, what you got? Uh, okay, we're strapped for time, so mine will be quick. Uh, there's really two that come to mind, so I'm going to steal two, and they're very different. Uh, one will kind of talk to the culture and one about the mission impacts. 
Uh, the first is the, I remember the very first time I stepped foot on Catalyst campus uh, and met the space camp guys. And it's, it's interesting that you're wearing your space camp shirt today, Drew. Um, I think Cody and I and Rob Slaughter were talking about acquisition strategy um, and how AFWorks was kind of changing the SBIR game. And we had a conversation over a beer, and I think it was 1030 in the morning. Um, so I probably should admit that, but it really made me, it was, I was like, what are these people and what are they doing here? Uh, that was back in like, I think June of 2019. Uh, so that was an interesting introduction to the team. And then uh, I'll go back to when we had uh, Major Justin Poole come to one of our daily standups and talk about the value delivered during Operational Allied Refuge. Um, and for OPSEC reasons, I won't go into the specifics of what he shared, but uh, he's, a, he's a C-17 pilot, and he shared with, uh, with us just some from the forward operating location, some of the things that we were able to provide him and his team real time through DevOps, through actually delivering software from customer requests back into production on an hourly cycle um, instead of something that takes months and years. And I, I, my favorite part about it wasn't just Justin Poole speaking, but I saw people on our stand-up on Zoom on camera crying. And I, I literally saw our contractor teammates crying because they knew that the work they were doing was valuable to the warfighter. Um, and for me, that was like a bow kind of on the entire experience of like, hey, we, we made DevOps work and we made it work in a meaningful way. Um, and in a way that it changed people's lives, both on, on the edge using the capability, but the people delivering the capability as well. And so to me, that was like the first time I saw end-to-end -end, uh, delivery and also the impact that it had on people and, and the way they felt about it.